Good morning, Berean family. Oh, come on, we can do a little bit better than that. How about kids? Good morning, Berean kids. All right, that's a little better. And good morning to all you watching online. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Dan. I'm lead pastor here at Berean Baptist Church, and it's a privilege and honor to be with you today. Um, you know, I say that every day, but it, it's true every single week, that every time I come in here, it is such a joy to be here with you, and, it's, and I count it a privilege uh, uh, to be able to be here with you today as every other week. Really enjoy this family. Hey, uh, kids, I, I have a question for you. So your parents, your parents want to be a good example to you. You know that, right? Some of your, if your kid just says no, parents, you have some work to do, okay? Uh, but we're not always the best example. Sometimes we're, we're good examples, and sometimes our example isn't so great. Parents, is that true? Okay, you have some, we have some perfect parents in the room. They're like, that's true for you, Pastor Dan, but everything I do is good in front of my kids. No, it's not. You know what? I, I wonder, dads, like, you ever hear your kids say something they shouldn't when somebody cuts you off? Nobody. Okay. This is a tough crowd, man. This is, we could just call it quits and we can move on. Everybody's got it together. Just kidding. You know, but it's, we all know it's true that sometimes we do something and we're like, yep, that was a good example for my kids to see. And sometimes we, we, we realize we've made a mistake. And by the way, parents, one of the best, one of the greatest things we can do as a parent, one of the greatest things we can do as a parent to be an example to our kids, own our mistakes and apologize to them when we need to. It's also hard to do. But as parents, we own our mistakes and we tell our kids, hey, listen, mom, dad, we're not perfect. We made a mistake and we're sorry for that. So that they can see God working in and through you and shaping you and molding you into the person that he wants you to be as well. It's important for us to do that. As, as I think back on the you know, last 24 years of, of being a dad, and, and by the way, I was talking to Kelly the other day, my wife, and uh, Isaiah, our youngest, is 13. So I'm like, you know, we've got probably you know, five or six years of him at home uh, still. And then I realized, I started doing the math. That will mean that we will have been parents of kids in the house for at least 30 years of our lives. It's, some of you are like, oh, that's so awesome. You're so blessed. And I'm like, that's a long time. Empty nest, here we come. Let's go. <laughs> my kids aren't in the room, so I feel like I can say that right now. You know, as I think about the lessons that, that my, I've tried to teach my kids and the example that I've tried to be, and again, I can think of good ones and I can think of bad ones. Uh, obviously, I have a broken arm. Um, it's actually like in multiple places. I uh, did a pretty good job on it. And then if you didn't know already, most of you do, I got tossed from a horse, right? I know you're thinking, who can blame the horse? But um, I got thrown from the horse, break my arm, and Isaiah, my 13-year-old, was riding with me. And uh, so I, I get my wits about me, and I'm hurt, and I knew my arm was broken at the time. It was pretty obvious. Uh, I get up, and I start walking towards the horse, and there's a guy with us, and he looks at me. He's like, you're not thinking about getting back on that horse. And I'm like, I'm going to get back on that horse. And there's, there's a couple reasons for it. One, well, there's probably multiple. One, I'm too prideful, and, you know, pride becomes before the... But anyways, um, but I, I knew in that moment that I needed to conquer my own fear. After getting, getting hurt like that, it's best just to get right back on, if, if you're able to. And it was difficult to get back on. But the other reason, the bigger reason, was my 13-year-old was there and he was watching. And I recognized in that moment, even though I was in quite a bit of pain and didn't really want to get back on the horse... I needed to teach Isaiah through example to not let fear or pain get in our way of our objective. And it was one of those things I knew he'd remember. So I just got back on the horse, rode a half a lap, and got off and was thrilled I didn't get thrown again by the same horse. 
You know, that was one of the times in, in 24 years of parenting that I think I, I, it was a good example. Some of you are going, that wasn't a good example. That wasn't very smart. And you may be right. But I've left a lot of bad examples, too. Uh, back in 2002, so my boys weren't alive yet. We just had our two daughters. Uh, we were driving around as a family, and we see this field uh, with a hill on it, and there's a bunch of bison, a bunch of buffalo into this field. And I wanted to take some good pictures. Well, some people would just, you know, put the window down, lean out a little bit, and use your Zoom and take a picture. Well, I'm not some people. So I had my wife, I pull over, uh, leave the door just kind of cracked, and I start walking out into this field. And, and I'm getting further and further and further away from the car, and I'm kind of walking by all of these buffalo. By the way, buffalo, they're pretty big, and they, they're not as nice as they look. Uh, and I knew that, so I get kind of close, and I realize they're going to see me, so I, I'm like, I'm going to go total stealth mode, because clearly I'm built for stealth. And I get on my stomach, and I start crawling towards the buffalo. I get to where I'm probably from me to the camera or so away from this buffalo. By the way, I have this huge thing on my camera for Zoom. I, I probably could have just used that and stayed further away, but I didn't. So I get close to this buffalo, laying down, and I, and I line up this picture. Man, it's just like real close, real close to this thing. You know, this isn't digital camera time, and your, your camera made a little bit of noise when you, when you clicked it, right? I didn't really think of that noise. So, because it was windy and all that, I thought I was good, but the wind must have stopped right at the wrong moment, because I take this shot, I get him in the frame, and click, and the buffalo looks at me. And I, I have some wilderness training, I've been a lot of time in the woods and all that kind of stuff, so I know what to do. You just lay still, don't move, everything is good. So I'm telling myself, don't move, don't move, don't move. And then somewhere around the second don't move, I realized I was running. <laughs> so I'm running from this buffalo, and my wife and my kids... They see, here comes dad running over the hill, and oh, there's a buffalo behind them. Do you know they thought that was funny? I'm <laughs> That's what it sounded like, that's right. I'm pretty sure they were rooting for the buffalo. So finally, I make it to the car unscathed, fortunately, but I left a pretty bad example to my kids, right? That wasn't the wisest thing for me to do in that moment was to get that close to the buffalo. Why? I put myself in a situation where I was in danger for no good reason. For no good reason. We're going to be looking today at some, some examples that the Old Testament had left to us. And Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which is our text today, looks back to the Old Testament to look at what God had done, but also to look at an example that was left for us. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. And Before we, we launch into the text, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day. And thank you for slow buffalo. <laughs> thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the examples that we have throughout your text of what we ought to do and what we ought to try to steer clear from. God, we just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being a good father and, and wanting us to grow, wanting us to know you, wanting us to live in freedom and walk in with you, to abide in you, where we will find peace and joy. God, as we open your word, may your spirit just open our eyes to show us what it is you'd have us to learn this morning. And God, help us to take a step closer to you as a result. For our good and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, first four verses. Apostle Paul says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, 
and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now the Apostle Paul here, he's pointing back to the children of Israel. This is after they had escaped uh, the slavery and bondage of Egypt. And, and Pastor Phil talked about this a little bit, about the Passover that happened during that time. So this is the children of Israel. They were in bondage. They were enslaved to the Egyptians. And God, you guys remember, kids, you remember this story, right? God sends the plagues, and finally uh, the Pharaoh relents and lets the people go, and then only to chase them down, and then the Egyptian army gets drowned in the Red Sea. You guys remember this story? This is what he's pointing back to, and now they've escaped the bondage uh, and, and slavery of Egypt, and they are wandering in the desert, headed to the promised land. That's the kind of scene that Paul is pointing back to in this text. And our first, our first point from the text is this. Even while wandering in a remote desert, the children of Israel were free and blessed. Even in the remoteness of a desert, they were free and they were blessed. They were blessed with all of their needs being met. They were finally free from the slavery they had found themselves in Egypt. They were free and blessed, even in a remote desert. The children of Israel, again, they had become slaves in Egypt, and they were mistreated horribly. Then they were led by the cloud of God's glory. They were in the presence of God in this desert place. The water of the Red Sea was parted for them to get to where they were at. Again, kids, you know this story. They come up to the Red Sea, and they're like, what are we going to do? The Egyptians are coming behind us. They're going to catch us. And God does a miracle, a miraculous thing. He parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry land. And then when the Egyptian army all got in the, into the dry land of, between the, the two, uh, the parted sea, it comes in and it drowns the whole Egyptian army. An incredible thing. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle of God doing the incredible. God doing the impossible to give them their freedom. They were supernaturally provided with food and water. They didn't need to work for their food and water. It was supernaturally provided for them, even in a desert place. And Christ himself accompanied them. They were not alone. To go from bondage and slavery to this incredible freedom. What joy there must have been while they were part leaving uh, the, the Egypt. But unfortunately... They didn't always stay in that joy, did they? In their wandering, many chose bondage over freedom. In their wandering, many chose bondage over freedom. Verses 5-10. through 10. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Many of these people just taken from a slavery and bondage and and, and brought into freedom by the incredible work of God, desired the old ways. They desired bondage and slavery over the freedom that they were given. This, they displeased God and many were killed. 
They indulged in idolatry. We're talking just months and years after being uh, taken out of this slavery. After God doing the incredible, they were punished and they were ungrateful. Now, I don't know about you, but when I I read through the Old Testament and and I read about the children of Israel, I find myself being a little bit judgmental of them and their decisions. You see, we see God do the incredible. We see God do the miraculous over and over again. And and, and then the children of Israel finally get themselves right, and they'll be walking with the Lord. They'll be doing the right thing, enjoying God's goodness. And then all of a sudden, they forget what they left, and they want to come back to it. And they exchange their freedom in God to bondage of sin. And we see it play out over and over again. They'll repent, and God will be, do the miraculous, and he will save them in an incredible way. And then the children of Israel, they'll even build a monument so that their next generation will remember what God had done. But what does the next generation do? They build altars in the high places, and they worship false gods. They choose bondage over freedom. And then you read the next chapter or the next book of the Old Testament, what happens? God does, or the children of Israel will repent. They'll see the wickedness of their ways. They'll repent. They'll turn back to God. God does the miraculous. He gives them freedom. They have this time of joy and belonging and being with God. And then they turn back in the next generation to their old wicked ways. And they exchange, exchange freedom for bondage again. And it goes on and on and on. And as I read through the Old Testament, again, I have this propensity to say, what is wrong with these people? And somewhere in my judgment, God reminds me, I am them. That God does the miraculous in my life. The fact that God has changed my heart. He has changed who I am. The fact that God has taken me from death into life is a miracle. No less a miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. If God can do that, he can change me. If he can take us from death unto life, that is miraculous, friends. And God has done it in my life, but yet, when I walk with Christ, I'm walking with God, and I see the blessings of that walking with God, and then the next thing I know, I've made a mistake, and I've chosen bondage over freedom. Friends, I know there are people in this room, and there are people watching online. That right now, for whatever the reason, you've become satisfied with the bondage. Friends, lose that satisfaction in the bondage and move towards the freedom in Christ. Because of who Christ is, you can do that. There are far too many Christ followers, far too many Christ followers living in the bondage of sin and exchanging their freedom for that bondage. This is why this Old Testament story is here and Paul is saying, don't make the same mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes that the children of Israel did. Don't make the mistakes, kids, of the, that your parents have made. You don't need to. You can walk in the freedom of Christ because of what He has done and who He is. But friends, as we continue to read, we find that there is always a way out. No matter what we're tempted with, no matter what issue that we're dealing with, God always provides a way out. Verses 11 through 13. Now these things happened to them, children of Israel, as an example. But they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overthrown you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation... 
He will always provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There is always a way out of the bondage of sin. As soon as the children of Israel thought that they had life under control, they fell. As soon as they started thinking, I've got this. I've got this. I can overcome. I can handle this problem. As soon as they started to think, I can handle this, they fell. The same is true for us, friends. As soon as we have this mentality of, I can do this, we're going to be in trouble. But God is faithful. You see, we shouldn't be saying, like the children of Israel learned, we shouldn't be saying, I can do this. We should be saying, He can do this. And I can do this only through Christ. On my own, I have the propensity to fall back into the bondage of sin. But in Christ, I have freedom. I have victory in Christ. As soon as the children of Israel, as soon as we start to think we have things under control in our lives, we find that we don't. But God is faithful. Now, while God is faithful, He doesn't want His children to be a bunch of robots He allows us to be tempted. Why? So we can choose to abide in Him. He doesn't force us to abide in Him. He wants us as a loving Father to choose to abide in Him. Parents, we want our kids to obey what we ask them to do, right? But we don't want them to obey just out of fear or compulsion. We want them to obey because we want them to enjoy their lives with us. We want to teach them things that are going to be good for them. But we want them to obey from the right heart. God is no different. He wants us to follow Him because of abiding in Him. He wants us to choose to abide in Him. And God will always provide a way out of temptation. While He allows us to be tempted with sin, He provides for us a way out of that sin. Friends, many times, and I mean many times, that way out is sharing your struggle with another believer. Many times of the, of the way out of the temptation is to share your struggle with another believer. Just so long as that temptation stays in the dark, it has some power. As soon as it comes into the light, that power is gone. There are far too many brothers and sisters in Christ staying in the bondage of sin unnecessarily. Far too many brothers and sisters in lives who, who relationships are being destroyed because of sin. Far too many brothers and sisters in Christ who have a grip, are gripped by addiction and you don't need to be any longer. Just as long as you say, I've got this on my own, friends, you don't. But when you walk into Christ and in, in the light and you abide in Him, God has this under control. Do you know that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you? That power is stronger than that addiction, sir. The same power that rose Jesus, taking from death unto life, lives in the heart of every believer. That power can help you overcome whatever sin that that is. Friends, stop choosing bondage to sin over walking in freedom in Christ. God has changed you. God has saved you. God has done the miraculous in you. Choose to abide in Him and walk in freedom. It breaks my heart when I see brothers and sisters in Christ just in this bondage and feeling like they can never get out. It's heartbreaking and it's unnecessary. 
In Christ, we have this incredible freedom. Walk in that freedom. Not in drudgery, but in joy, because God is good. God is good. Friends, true freedom comes when we surrender to Christ. True freedom comes when we surrender to Christ. I don't have it with me. We, we received a letter and a tithe at a church here about a week or so ago from a gentleman who has been in prison for the best we can figure, maybe close to 40 years. And he had received a, a stimulus check of some sorts and he wanted to tithe to Berean Baptist Church because of what the prison ministry had uh, meant to him. Can I tell you, that man has freedom? While he is in jail, while he's in Ricky, he is free. Why? Because he is in Christ now. True freedom comes when we surrender to Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23 through 33. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I gave thanks? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks, or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. I do not, I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Now as Christians, we have the choice. We can, we can do what is right, or we can do what is wise. And sometimes doing what is wise means forfeiting our rights. And this is what we talked about last week. Sometimes it's good for us to forfeit our rights and do what is wise for the sake of those who are around us. Now this can play out in different ways, right? Sometimes you, you, you can say what is true, and you have every right to do it, or sometimes you can say what is wise in the moment. Husbands understand this, right? Hey, honey, how was dinner? You might be able to say, you might say, that was a lousy dinner. You might be right, that might be true, but that surely isn't wise. Or how does this make me look? Or how about this, would you like to go to my mother's house with me? I'm, my mother-in-law watches this, Connie, I, you are fantastic, I can't wait to visit you again. With love, your son-in-law. I have to, I'm sure I'm going to get a texter or something later on. Um, I've got to watch the in-law jokes because they watch. So, And because they're incredible. We, we can do what's right or we can do what's wise. Paul says, I'm going to forfeit my rights for the sake of those who don't know Christ. And that's what's wise. John MacArthur, we have Christian liberty. That's kind of what this text is about. John MacArthur uh, gives us at least three principles for Christian liberty from this text. The first one is this, edification over gratification. We should choose to edify over being gratified. Verse 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Again, choose to edify, edification over gratification. 
Which leads us to the second principle for Christian liberty. Choose others over self. Choose others over self. God has given us an incredible example of this, right? With Jesus on the cross. Choose others over self. It says, verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. What do we do with our liberty as Christians? We use it to serve others. We use it to serve others. Number three, liberty over legalism. We do have Christian liberty. And we need to make sure we extend that same liberty to our brothers and sisters in Christ and not demand things out of them that God doesn't demand. Choose liberty over legalism. Again, verses 25 through 27. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth's is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Choose liberty over legalism. In the end, I believe that we find our freedom in abiding in Christ. We find our freedom when we choose to abide in Christ. Just so long as the children of Israel were enjoying God together, all of their needs were met. They would have, if they would have kept on doing that, they would have found the promised land so much further, uh, quicker than they actually did. Abide in Christ. And we find freedom as we abide in Christ. And this brings glory to God. That this is what we are to, to do as followers of Jesus Christ, is to glorify Him. To glorify Him. And we do so, we can start doing that by abiding and enjoying Him together. Our job is to enjoy God fully together. Again, I say this a lot, but Christian walk is not drudgery. If you're sitting here and you haven't accepted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior yet, and you're like, I don't want to have to follow the rules. I don't want to have to do as I'm told. I want to be my own person. Friends, that is not freedom, by the way. That is actually bondage. But listen, freedom when we choose to follow Christ It's not done in drudgery. It's done out of joy. Listen, when we're abiding in Christ, there is a great joy. There is a great comfort. There is a great peace that we have. And those things are not circumstantial. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life. It doesn't matter if we're in a desert. Just so long as we are abiding in Christ, life is good. Life is good. R.C. Sproul says this, We do not segment our lives giving some time to God some to our business or schooling, while keeping parts to ourselves. The idea is to live all of our lives in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and for the honor and glory of God. That is what the Christian life is all about. And friends, that flows out of abiding in Christ. That flows naturally when we're abiding in Christ. Piper, John Piper says this, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, It is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. That's an indictment on the church, I think. We keep nibbling on the small things of the world and we miss out on the feast of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's stop settling for the counterfeits. Let's stop settling for what's in the world because it's bondage, it's death, and it's destruction. Let's only accept the fullness of God by abiding in Him where there is life 
There is joy, there is peace, there is comfort. All of those things that we so deeply desire are there for us when we abide in Christ. We need to stop settling for the small bits that the world has to offer because they lead to destruction. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to have a song before we close. But I want to challenge you, and I want to challenge you on the screen as well if you're watching at home. Are you settling for the little bits of this world because they lead to bondage? Or are you demanding for yourself the fullness of God by abiding in him and having freedom, which is what's going to glorify God and it's good for you? Christian, is there some sin that you just can't shake? No matter how many times you've tried, no matter what you think you've done, you feel like you just can't shake. Well, the Bible tells us there is no temptation that is not common to man, meaning you are not alone in whatever is tempting you. And he also says for every temptation, he provides a way out. What does that mean? That means that addiction doesn't have the last say. Jesus does. That relationship that's struggling right now does not get the final say. Jesus does. Surrender yourself to God. Surrender your life to Christ. If you're walking in the desert place right now, it's okay just so long as you're walking with the Lord. He will provide everything that you need. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Maybe you know somebody right now that's struggling with sin. Maybe, maybe you have a loved one that you're just like, man, it's breaking my heart because they are in bondage right now where freedom is right there for them, but they are choosing this bondage of sin. I'm going to invite you to pray for those people today. If you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you come to church with a smile on your face and nice clothes, but when you get to the car, you realize your brokenness. And if you have to admit it, a lot of your life is a show because there's some particular sin that you, have, that you are in bondage to. I'm going to invite you today to pray that God will break that bondage. Again, the same power that, that uh, rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. Whatever that sin is, whatever that addiction is, it is not as strong as the power of God. And today, today, right now, right this second, you can have victory over that sin in Jesus Christ our Lord. Walk in Him. And I'm going to invite you to pray as well. And for those of you who might be here and you might be on, online, maybe you've not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you think walking outside of a relationship with Christ is actual freedom. Friends, that is bondage dressed up like freedom and it's destroying you. I believe God has purposes for what we're doing. I believe that God knew where your heart was and knew you needed this message today. And he is drawing you closer to him. Would you surrender to him right now? Surrender your life to Christ and find true freedom. Find true life. We're going to pray. Please join me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for the example of those who have come before us, both the good and the bad. Thank you for reminding what's in our own hearts as the temptation is common to man. The same temptations that the children of Israel battled with are the same ones we battle with today. And thank you for giving us a way out. For those, of those, those in the room, Lord, who have somebody they love or somebody they know that is walking in bondage of sin and they so desperately want to see them to change their lives, God. God, maybe you use them to speak truth and love. 
If you're in this room with their heads down, eyes closed, and you're thinking of somebody that you love or know that's walking in this bondage right now, would you just slip up your hand so I can join you in prayer for them? God, I do join these brothers and sisters for those people who are on their heart. I pray today, I pray today for the, uh, for the bondage to break in their lives. With their heads down and eyes closed, maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, and you're like, there's this thing. I don't want to share it with anybody, but there's this thing that has control over me, and I've tried to fight it for so long, but I feel like I can't. I feel like I don't have the power, and I want to break that bondage. I want to walk in freedom. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you? God, for my brothers and sisters with their hands up, Lord, and the ones who wanted to but just couldn't get themselves to raise their hand because they feel so defeated, may your Holy Spirit, may your power well up inside and break the chains of addiction, to break the bondage of that sin, and right now, right now, have freedom as they choose to abide in you. And for those of you who are in this room, who don't yet have a relationship with Christ and are tired of the bondage of this world and want to give your life to Jesus and surrender to him, would you raise your hand? And if you're online watching, I just want to encourage you to send us a private message uh, on the, if you're on Facebook or email us at, at the church so we can pray for you. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe there's somebody that you know. Maybe it's you or maybe you want to surrender your life in Christ. Let us know so we can walk through that with you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for changed hearts and changed lives. God, I believe, I believe that even right now you are breaking strongholds of sin in the lives of the people in this room and watching online. I believe that you are taking people from the bondage of this sin into your freedom. God, we thank you for the example of those who have come before us, Lord. May we learn to abide in you. May we learn to walk in you, to trust in you. May we be that generation that doesn't build the altars in the high places to the false gods, but may we be a generation who fully surrender to abide in you and enjoy you together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.